0: Ask you this question. Do you ever feel like giving up? When life takes its twists and turns and it seems like one piece of bad news follows another, do you really feel like throwing in the towel sometimes? When life seems to be putting the squeeze on you with all sorts of pressure, what do you do so that you don't lose heart and cave into that pressure? Do you feel like giving up sometimes? I think we live in a world that is relentless at times with its difficult circumstances that we face, and often we do feel like just giving up. We feel like just walking away and just, I'm done with this, I can't do this anymore. I've lost heart in the whole situation. What are we going to do? What are we going to find that will enable us to keep going so that we don't lose heart? we we'll gonna have a look at that today as we think about Second uh, Corinthians as we keep working through this uh, glorious book that God has inspired for us through the Apostle Paul from 2,000 years ago. So if you've got your Bibles here, go, go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and let us read this uh, wonderful chapter together here uh, right through. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Since we had the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Father, we are so, so privileged to come today and to hear this. This is life-building, Lord. This is a precious, precious gift you've given to us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Holy Spirit, we would ask and pray now, just as you inspired the Apostle Paul to write this down 2,000 years ago, That same miracle is happening today as you inspire us to receive that truth. So I ask and pray now, please, let your power come and bring this word alive in our hearts. Let it grow faith, let it grow worship, let it grow strength. Let it grow the heart to keep on keeping on, we pray. And we ask it now in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, there's one really key phrase that stood out for me as I was preparing this week and looking at this chapter and sort of reading over it, and it was um, in verse one and verse 16. It says there both times. So we do not lose heart. It says it once in verse one, then again in verse 16. It's like saying we don't give up, we don't give in, we won't be defeated, we won't throw in the towel, we won't let the falseness of this world roll over the top of us, crush us, and steal our faith away. We won't lose heart. Paul writes to the Corinthians here uh, to put a few matters straight. There's a few dramas happening within the church. He's also giving a defense of his ministry as well as an apostle to the Corinthians here 2,000 years ago. And really chapter 4 is a great, neat, fit and follow one from chapter 3. It really does actually flow through the whole book. Paul's actually spoken about the New Testament age of the Holy Spirit. We looked at last week in chapter 3. And then because of this Holy Spirit and power of ministry that Paul now has through the gospel, he doesn't lose heart. He's got this confidence. And that's what we're going to explore as we think about that and Paul outworks works for us today in uh, chapter 4. <coughs> You'll have to forgive me for my cough as well. There are a few other coughs around the building too, so we're all joined together. Anyway, here's what we're going to see today in chapter 4 as we go through this. Paul's going to tell us this. We don't give up. Because we have the true gospel, we don't give up because the power belongs to God and not to us, and we don't give up because eternal glory awaits us. that's what Paul's going to take us as we look through chapter four today and uh, see what he's got to say. So firstly, we don't give up because we have the true gospel. we touched on this the other week, but Paul brings it up again here in chapter four. Uh, we don't alter. The gospel message. We have the true Word of God. Often in evangelism, particularly in a Western context, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And when I say difficult, I mean new conversions or people coming to Christ for the first time isn't a common everyday occurrence. Often you'll get maybe someone who's heard the gospel previously, walked away and then they'll come back. But first time conversions seems to be really, really hard. Often it's hard enough just to get the conversation up at all about Jesus In a Western context. And maybe if you do, people are just being courteous to listen to you or they'll hear you out. But there doesn't seem any real easy openings to bring Jesus up into the conversation. You feel like you've got to force him in or squeeze it in sometimes. But sometimes from that we feel like giving up because the conversation seems to go nowhere. It just doesn't seem to follow on like to the next thought. You might say, What's the point anyway? They don't really want this. Well, here's what Paul says about not giving up. Look at me in verse 2 as he says that. He says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's no hint of Paul giving up in that, in that verse there, is there? He's saying, no, I'm not going to give up. Actually, there's a confidence about Paul as well when he actually goes through that. He talks very confidently about what he knows from Christ. He says there, by the open statement of the truth, we'll commit ourselves to everyone's mind. There's a confidence here about Paul. He says, our message won't be veiled. We won't disguise it. We'll make sure that people can understand it, but we aren't going to change the message. We'll become out with it straight in an open statement. Paul's confident but What's he confident about? Have a look with me in verse 5 and 6 and we see Paul's confidence here in this message. He says this, he says this, for, we, "'For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For, for, for God, who said, "'Let light shine out of the darkness,' has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ.'" Here's Paul's confidence. It's this. God is the God of salvation. God is the God of salvation. God is the God who creates life. Particularly in verse 6 there, he says this. Just as God in creation called light into being when there was only darkness, God spoke the word light and light invaded the universe as a supernatural creative miracle that God does. So also... God shines the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into people's darkened hearts and darkened minds so that they can see Him and God creates life where there was no life in a spiritual sense. God is the primary cause of our salvation. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are dead in our sins, spiritually dead. There's nothing alive to us about God at all in that state. God comes in in a miracle and reveals the light of the gospel into our hearts and we come alive. We come alive. So this is why Paul says, we do not lose heart in evangelism. I do not lose heart in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We have the true gospel as given to us, uh, to the apostles by Jesus Christ himself, Paul says. And God is the one who works through that truth through that gospel message, to produce miracles of salvation. So Paul says we have the true gospel, we don't need to change it. God is the one who gives life, so we will proclaim that gospel faithfully and confidently because we know God is the one who gives us life through his creative miracles of salvation. Secondly, Paul tells us we don't give up, not only because we have the true gospel, but also it's God's power and not our power as in working through that. Now Paul knew very well that gospel living has its fair amount of challenge. Paul, from first-hand experience, endured much suffering in living for Jesus Christ and living out the gospel life. And particularly so for us at times, it can be the same. It can be difficult. We can endure difficult times as we merge our faith with the world that we live in. Living out the gospel will be costly at times. And Paul gives us a very vivid description here, verses 7 to 10, as he talks about that. Have a look with me there at verse 7. He says, "...but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Very uh, succinct sort of passage there that Paul has said. What's he saying when he says all that? First thing he says there is we are jars of clay. We are jars of clay. He's talking about us. He's talking about himself when he says that. A clay jar or a clay pot back in Paul's day were just very common, everyday utensils. They were just the common things of life back then. There was just millions of them around. If archaeologists go and do their excavation digs now, they dig up mountains of clay pots and clay plates. It was just like common, everyday stuff. For us, it's probably a bit like disposable plates we might buy at the supermarket. That's just how common they are. And what are they? They're sort of very weak and they're sort of very frail. Things we sort of throw away, aren't they? Disposable plates. You get a barbecue plate and you load it up with barbecue meat and salad. Sort of folds and flops and falls over, probably because you put too much on the plate. But they're not very strong. They're weak. They are disposable. Paul's saying that's how we are. Not so much disposable, but we are weak. We are frail. We are powerless individuals on our own. We're common everyday things in the sense of weakness and frail and powerlessness. We often like to think that we are the man of the hour or the woman of the hour maybe as well. But when it all boils down, we're only one piece of bad news before crushing down on ourselves. We can feel strong and feel great but we get one bit of bad news and we can be in a crumpled heap on the floor. It just shows you how weak we really are when things go against us. Paul says we're just like a clay pot, we're just like a clay jar, we have limitations, there's weaknesses and there's frailties about us. Maybe that's you today here at Exchange, maybe this is your first time today at Exchange Church and we are glad you're here to come and join with us today, we'd love to have people here to come and hear about Christ and we can welcome them for that. But maybe you're feeling weak and frail and powerless and you know your limitations we trust by the end of this, you'll hear that Jesus is our strength. Particularly when it comes to Christian living and living out our faith, it's challenging and these weak for our bodies. Emotionally, physically and mentally, gospel living is challenging. It has its trials. We live amongst a world and a culture that doesn't think the same as we do in a Christian worldview. They think differently. We think differently on abortion and sexuality. In comparison to the world we live in, we think differently, even on environmental issues, in comparison to the world we live in. That causes us challenge because we think in a different way. It brings that sort of difficulty with it. And Paul lived out his gospel convictions here, and we see the results in the passage that we just saw. He said there He said, "I felt afflicted, or he felt the pressure it is to live out the gospel, but he said, "I'm not crushed. I'm afflicted, but I'm not crushed." He said, I'm perplexed. He said, I've got doubts about what is going on. His mind was filled with doubts from time to time. What is happening, Lord, in this? I can't work this out. I don't know why these circumstances are against me. Paul's perplexed, but he's not driven to despair. He says that I'm persecuted or harassed. But he said, I'm, not, I'm never forgotten or forsaken. And then he says, I'm struck down. And if we actually literally find out what he means there, he says, I've been physically beaten. And he had been a number of times for Jesus. But then he says, but I'm not destroyed. I wasn't killed. It's a whole range of things there. I'm afflicted, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. That's where it is with me, Paul says. Paul says, So I read that and I say, we shouldn't be shocked when living for Jesus brings about hard and painful times. It shouldn't come as a shock or, I didn't know this was part of the package. Don't think it's an abnormal thing if you're feeling challenged in this world in living out a gospel life. Jesus himself told his followers, expect challenge and difficulty. He says in John 16, through this... I've said these things to you, Jesus speaking to his disciples, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. But take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. What does that mean for us? Maybe not beatings, although there are believers getting beaten today, somewhere in various parts of the world, but quite possibly rejection. Quite possibly rejection. Just maybe... When your neighbours or your work colleagues find out you're a Christian, they may not want to associate with you anymore. Well, they may only associate with you on a very light level, not a deeper level, because they don't really agree with what you believe or follow. You'll feel rejected by that. You probably feel quite weak and maybe powerless as well, thinking I feel marginalised. I'm not really accepted, or I'm not really liked. But you see, this is, whole, this is Paul's whole point here as he talks about this state of being you know, persecuted but not knocked down and these things, the whole point there is when we're feeling weak and we're feeling powerless in ourselves, this then serves to show where the real and the true power comes from in our lives. And Paul goes back to it there in verse 7. He says this, but we have this treasure in clars of... I of J. <laughs> <laughs> Jars of clay... To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The real power comes from God. The real power comes from God. In our weak, powerless, frail bodies, we contain this uh, treasure of Jesus Christ through the gospel and the power belongs to God. Paul's saying this, this is all about God and his purposes in us, that God has chosen to take weak, common people, jars of clay, just like me, just like you, to take ourselves through all of our weaknesses, frailties, inabilities, to bring about His purposes and His plans. God has chosen to show His power through our weakness, through our challenges, through weak vessels such as us. God hasn't chosen to use the the bold, the bright, and the beautiful, as it were, of this world. And often that's the case with this world, they want to choose the sort of the most beautiful people to sort of put up on a pedestal, but that's not God. God's chosen to take the weak people, the people who haven't got what it takes in the natural. And he's chosen to do that to display his power through that. So Paul doesn't give up. Paul doesn't lose heart because he understands it's not about his power. He understands that it's about God's power working through him. And amazingly, it's displayed through our weakness. And we're going to look at that real closely. In a few weeks' time, we get to chapters 11 and 12. But that's where we are now. Paul doesn't lose heart because it's God's power working through us as weak vessels. <clears throat> Here's the third reason that Paul doesn't lose heart here. And it's this. He knows eternal glory awaits him. He knows there's something in the future that awaits him. Look in verse 16 for us first as we start to think about this. So we do not lose heart. There's Paul again with that phrase. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What Paul sees here is really, really staggering. It's amazing what Paul sees here. For Paul, let's let's retrace what he's got. The gospel is true. It's the message that God's given to us. It saves us. And we contain this treasure in weakness and frailty in God's power is working through us. But then Paul sees this as he gets to these last few verses here in chapter four, he says, On the outside we are wasting away. And we are. The outer person is breaking down and we are perishing. We are wasting away. You've only got to look at a photo from twenty years ago if you're hopefully something like that, you'll see, yeah, I'm not what I used to be. We're wasting away on the outside. But on the inside, on the inside, it's the complete reversal. On the inside, our heart and our soul and our mind is being renewed. We're being made strong. We're growing in vitality. Our desires and our delights are getting stronger. Now, when we look around the world, that doesn't make sense, does it? And what I mean by that is this, usually with the ageing process comes not only with dying with a body, but also with...